All right. Hey, thank you guys for having me here today. Um, a little nervous because, you know, a prophet is without honor in his hometown. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> Good thing I ain't a prophet, though. I'm just a preacher. So I just get to open God's word and you get to deal with God's word. Amen? Amen. Hey, before I get started, I, I just want to say a couple things. One, I'm so honored to be here. Um, we started nine years ago. Uh, we're baptizing uh, at the end of this month, and we will surpass 300 people baptized at our church since we started. And a big, big reason why we've been able to do what we're doing um, through the power of Jesus is by the support of so many in this room. So I wouldn't be here, we wouldn't be doing what we're doing if it weren't for the support over the years, encouragement, uh, and, and you guys helped us get started. So I just, I'm overwhelmed with honor just to be here today, and I'm hoping I can bless you guys in some way of saying, man, thank you, here's God's word. And, and let's be encouraged today. And then also just want to take a quick second because this is such an amazing church and it all starts from the, the top down. And I just want to honor Pastor Logan right now. I just want to say, Logan, you're an incredible friend. You're an incredible pastor. These are all your kids right here, all of them, the whole row. You're, you're an incredible father. Hey, and you guys, your dad loves you guys, okay? We get to hang out and he brags about how much, uh, you know, amazing, how many amazing things you're doing. And, and he, so he's very proud of you guys. So I just want to take... A second to honor you guys and to say thank you to Pastor Logan. Can we just honor Pastor Logan for his leadership? Because, you know, like anything else, pastoring is not always fun. And, uh, and so we get to go, you know, encourage each other, complain to each other, and then lift each other up. And uh, he never complains, though. There's nothing to complain about. So that's just me. Okay. Uh, any parents in the house today? Okay, then you know kids say some funny stuff, don't they? Right? So we, my wife and I, um, have realized that kids are just honest. And so if you really want to know how you look, don't ask your friend. Don't ask someone your age. Ask a kid. Because they'll straight up tell you what they think about how you look. And some of us, we just need that kind of honesty in our life, don't we? And so um, uh, over time... Uh, I have a three-year-old daughter. She is just confident as can be. She's, she wakes up in the morning, and she has FOMO, like, what did I miss? What's going on? She's the social bird. So she comes out hair crazy, right? And uh, she believes she can do all things. Not even like in Christ who gives her strength. I'm talking about she just thinks she can do all things. She's confident. She says it like it is, right? So we're going we're gonna to work on the kindness and the compassion over time. But I just love the honesty of children and She's the youngest of my three. I have the two older boys. And so she's like learning to, you know, hold her own. And every once in a while, she feels like she doesn't get attention. And so the other day, she came up to me and she's crying. I think she just wanted some attention. And, you know, I want to give her some attention. Baby, what's going on? Daddy, my ankle really hurts. And then she looks at me and she goes, but where's my ankle again? <laughs> you know, kids say the funniest things. My son Weston is seven. A couple years ago, he was talking to my wife, and he said uh, to Janae, he said, Mommy, that's a piece of cake. And I know what piece of cake means. Piece of cake means easy in Spanish. <laughs> my son Willem, he, he, he said one time, he, uh, he had some cupcakes. I think it was his birthday or something. He said, son, can I have a cupcake? Yeah. So I said, thank you, son. He said, no pleasure, <laughs> no problem, Chick-fil-A, my pleasure, right? Got it mixed up. But I just think he was being honest, right? 
Because when you give a cupcake away, no pleasure. Why not just be honest about it? This is good. When my son turned six, Weston, um, my, my wife was trying to convince him, like, if someone just sends you a card, you know how kids are. You look at whoop, what's going to fall out, to be honest. Adults were the same way. So she's, she's talking, getting him ready for his birthday, and, and, and she's like, okay, if you get a card, that's really nice, right? Like, you would like someone to get you a card. He goes, yeah, you mean a credit card, right? <laughs> and I love how he just skipped gift card. <laughs> we, we, skip gift card, we're going straight to credit card. Two more, because why not? Uh, my son, Willem, we're getting off the airplane. We went to go visit some family out of state. We're flying back in. We're getting off the airplane. They open the doors. And we're walking off, and my wife goes, all right, guys, back to the no, right? Because we're in Fresno. You know, Fresno, yes, but we're Fresno. Anyway, back to the no is a saying. And so later on, Willem is, like, talking to my wife and goes, what do you mean? Like, you said back to the no. And my wife says, yeah, well, back to Fresno, the no. And he goes, oh, because I, I thought you meant when we're on vacation, you say yes to everything, but now we're going back to the no, back at home. <laughs> back to the no. <laughs> They love vacation, Daddy and Mommy, you know what I mean? We go hard, and then it's back to the no. And every morning, this is about, she's kind of tapered off, but my three-year-old gets up, and she, with bold confidence, gets a pack of gummy bears and hands them to me and says, Daddy, can I have these? And I don't know why. It's like she forgot. Yesterday I said no, and the day before, you know, but somehow every day she wakes up believing today's the day Daddy's going to say yes right? And it's just something about this confidence. But you know what I, I love about children? And today I want to talk a little bit about childlike faith, right? Because we live in a time where uh, there's a lot of adult-like fear, and I think what the world needs is childlike faith, amen? Because how many of you know God in his scripture and through Jesus said, you need to have faith like a child, and just like my, 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 my daughter wakes up in the morning, hair a mess, and just asks me boldly for something I'm clearly going to say no to, uh, uh, what I've learned is as we grow up, we tend to get more formal and get more impressive. And what Jesus is saying is we need to revert back sometimes to this childlike perspective, this childlike faith that says, man, I don't need to get all formal. I don't need to be all impressive. I can come out hair wild and everything, and I can talk to my Father in heaven. I can approach him boldly with a childlike faith that's not trying to impress anybody. It's just honest, right? And so what I want to encourage us today, because, again, we live in a crazy world. I don't need to tell you that. But how many of you believe God's not done working yet? You guys believe that today? You think God is still able to do what he says he can do and to do the impossible and to actually bring his kingdom that he said would start like a little mustard seed, man, but it would have its way all over. I don't know. I just have, I have to opt for optimism because I believe God is on the throne today. And so, but I think the way that we're going to get there is not by being an impressive people. God's people are not impressive. In fact, sometimes it's trying to be impressive to other people that actually makes us further from God and love people less. And what I want to encourage us with today is it's not about the impressive. It's about having faith that just believes God is actually a big, great, awesome, mighty, loving, kind, compassionate God. You guys believe that today? Yeah. I know I do. And I want to, I want to have a, a, a faith like that, that, that really believes God is a God who wants to move in my life. God wants to do things in our generation. He wants to do things in 
Chowchilla. And by the way, I'm from Chowchilla. I mention Chowchilla in about every other sermon that I preach. So you ask anyone at my church where I'm from, they will know I'm from Chowchilla, and I'm proud of it. I love this town, and I believe God's doing something very special here. And today I believe all of us need him to move in a special way in our own life. So let's have childlike faith. I'm going to read from uh, Matthew 21. I'm going to start in verse 10. I'm going to go back a little bit to build into the context of the verses that we read. It says this. It says, when Jesus entered Jerusalem, and, and real quick, he's, he's going into Jerusalem. This is the week of the Passover, the week that he's going to eventually, you know, have the Last Supper. He's going to go on the, on the cross, right? And so this is the context. He's entering into Jerusalem for the final time in his earthly ministry. And it says, the whole city was stirred, and they asked this question. They said, who is this guy? And the crowds answered... This is Jesus, the prophet from Nazareth in Galilee. And I love how it's just like crowds, like never trust the crowds, right? Just crowds throwing stuff out there. And so Jesus is coming to town. He's done some amazing things. And so the, 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 the murmuring's going on. And this verse, I think, just sets the tone because the, the crowds say, who is Jesus? And I don't know if you caught it, but the answer to who is Jesus in the crowd's mind was, he is a prophet. Well, let me ask you something. Is that all that Jesus is? He's so much more than that. And so, but what, what I caught in this passage was here's Jesus, and he knows he's the actual son of God, right? To whom which angels cry, holy, holy, holy. And yet some crowd just said, oh, he's just a prophet. To some people thought, oh, maybe that was a nice thing. But really, in, in his mind, they just called him less than what he really was. But you know what I thought was so cool is Jesus doesn't correct them. Because how many of you know in the scriptures it said that Jesus didn't come as to be impressive on the outside? And sometimes we are trying to be so impressive on the outside. If you don't get my title right, I need to correct you. But here's Jesus. They didn't get his title right, and he was fine. Because... He knew the truth always wins out in the end. That who you are will really show itself in the end. So I love that they're murmuring, he's just a prophet. And by the way, when they said he's a prophet from Nazareth, that was a shot, okay? Because you've heard this if you've been in church for some time and you read through the scripture, they would say, Jesus, he can't be anything. He's from this little podunk farm town up in the north called Nazareth, right? So everybody's thinking, nothing good can come from a little podunk farm town in the north called Chouch, called Nazareth. <laughs> this is what I tell my church all the time. Come on, good things can come from little farm towns. Amen? Y'all believe that? So Jesus is from a little podunk farm town. And so when they said it, I don't even know what podunk means, so I apologize if that's offensive to anybody, okay? I love this town. So, so, so they, get it, they get his title wrong. Prophet, not son of God. And then they doubt him from the place that he's from. And what I love about it, again, is Jesus is not trying to correct everybody because he knows who he is. And so, again, I'm just, I find this very encouraging when I, when, I, when I read this because some of you in the room, especially if you're young, you will doubt yourself. You'll think because I'm not in the right place and I don't have the title that I'm not impressive enough that God can never use somebody like me. And I want to tell you, don't believe that lie. Put that lie behind you. 
It doesn't matter what your title is. I tell you, it doesn't matter if you own the business or you're the least of the employees, you're the same in God's eyes. And you have the power of the Holy Spirit living inside of you, the same spirit that rose Jesus from the dead. I apologize if I get excited because, again, that means you in this town, God can do amazing things. He could turn this whole country upside down from some child in this room or some kid in this room. It doesn't matter if you have the title. It doesn't matter if you have the position. It doesn't matter where you're from. It's a matter of who your God is and what he's capable of doing in your life. And so, again, we just pause right there and we recognize the humility of our God because this little no-name town, uh, uh, by the way, didn't the name above all names come from there? Isn't Jesus the name above all names who came from a no-name town? That's good. And by the way, if you ever travel and you tell people you're from the Central Valley, they're going to look down on you. I'm just telling you. I tell people when I'm out of state, oh, I'm from Fresno. They go, mm, interesting. <laughs> and you choose that. God chose it. He's got a reason for it. Okay? So it doesn't matter your position. It doesn't matter the place you come from. Impressive is not the point. Look at verse 12. It says, then... Jesus entered the temple courts and he drove out all who were buying and selling there and he overturned the tables of the money changers. Some, you guys know this story, right? And he, and he turns over the benches of people selling doves and then he quotes scripture from Isaiah and he says, it is written, I said to them, my house will be called a house of prayer. A house of prayer, because we'll get to that later, how he tells us to ask for things in prayer. But you are making it a den of robbers. And, and the reason why I have to bring this point out before we get to the next one is because this is a fascinating context. It's Passover. So million people maybe are all ascending the mountain to Jerusalem once a year, the Passover festival. We come and we make a sacrifice and we acknowledge that our God is the one who got us out of slavery in Egypt, praise God, by the blood of the Lamb. Ain't that a foreshadow, isn't it? By the blood of the lamb, we've been set free. They didn't even see it. Didn't even see it. And then, uh, so, so, so this would happen, right? You come from the north in Galilee, or people would even come from other countries, you know? And they would come on foot. And the, the, the expectation was you would bring your sacrifice to the temple as, as one of faith and say thank you to the Lord. But that was a real problem if you were traveling a long ways, right? And so there were some people who thought, hey, I got an idea. We can make some money, and we'll make life easier on people. So what we'll do is we'll start selling animals within the gates, okay? So we'll bring doves. We'll bring sheep. And if you're traveling from way up north and you don't want to bring your, 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 your sacrifice with you, your dove or your sheep or whatever, hey, when you get here, we got you. We got you. It's a big mountain. You don't want to climb this mountain with no sheep on your back. I got you. So they kind of started this tradition, but then they knew once they got you in the gates and you came from a long distance without an animal, you know what they would do? Inflation. Y'all feel inflation, don't you? Yeah. So this was, sorry, it was a sour subject. So they would get in the gates and then all of a sudden, a dove, which would be like a dollar, all of a sudden was $20. But I already came this far. So I guess you can have my money. It's for the Lord, I guess. 
So, so, so when Jesus walks in, you know what he's seeing? He's seeing people get ripped off. But so, 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 so people quote this all the time. Jesus flipped tables. Well, Jesus would flip tables if that happened. And let me give you the context by which the Son of God flipped tables. When people were trying to keep other people from God's presence, that's when he flipped the tables. And let me make this really clear. It was people from far away. It was the outsiders, not the locals. And it was the poor. The poor would come in and they would get the price raised on them. And so they wanted to really make a sacrifice with the sheep, but they could only afford the dove. And Jesus goes, how dare you ever keep the poor and the outsider away from my house? You see that? It really, really mattered. People from other countries. And, and I need to be really clear. Like, I love our country. I, 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 I've, I've traveled enough third world and other to know that there are some amazing things that we need to be grateful for about this country. But never let that make you forget God is a God of this whole world, of every country, of every tribe, of every tongue, and every language. So we cannot get caught up in a one only type of belief for one only group of people. Does that make sense? God is the God of the globe. All people are made in his image. No matter what you look like, where you came from. So again, when I talk about God invites us into his presence, do you see the context here? doesn't matter what position you have in your work or in society. Uh, it, it doesn't ma matter what your title is. It doesn't matter where you came from. It doesn't matter what you look like. God wants people to get into his presence. You see that? So he's breaking down the walls that would otherwise divide us from being in his presence. Uh, and so impressive is not the point. I hope somebody's encouraged today. You don't have to be impressive. Get into the presence of God. Look at verse 14. Watch this. Here's a whole nother people group. You didn't even see this coming. Watch this. Verse 14. Also the blind and the lame came to him in the temple and they were healed. So now we've got people with ailments and disabilities. So, so again, encouragement to you. Maybe you live in a world, you thought, man, I have a, something messed up about my body or my mind. I'm so different. Guess what? That doesn't matter to God. He invites you into his presence. Special needs, right? All, you don't have to be impressive to come into the presence of God and to be recognized as having value. So here's Jesus. By the way, in their culture, if you were lame, if you were blind, you were saw as cursed according to religion. So here he is going against the grain of of, of religion and saying, no, 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 I actually love those people. Come to me and be healed. So if you're here today and you doubt the way you look, you have something wrong with your body, guess what? God loves you the same. He invites you into his presence. Impressive is not the point. It says this, watch this, verse 15. But when the chief priests, all right, here's the religious snooties, right? They have all the answers. They've got it figured out. They got it all down to the T. And the teachers of the law, when they saw the wonderful things, amen? Those are wonderful things that Jesus is doing. And then they saw the children shouting in the temple courts, Hosanna to the son of David, which, by the way, here's another people group, the youth. So now we're talking about the young people are singing his praise. And this is invited, again, 
It doesn't matter how young you are in the room today. Young person, God wants your heart now. You don't have to wait till you're older. You don't have to wait till you qualify for a deacon. Guess what? You can serve the Lord right now in the age that you're in. God invites you to know him no matter how young you are. I got saved in the fifth grade at, at a Merced Christian School. Amen? Heard the gospel and got saved and the Holy Spirit filled my life. And then I ran from that calling for a really long time. But what I'm saying is, is that even a young heart is eligible to be filled with the Holy Spirit and to know the Lord in a very deep and meaningful way. And so you would think that when these wonderful things were happening, that the guys who knew the Old Testament, the guys who knew the law so well and memorized the scripture and taught all the Bible studies, they would say, wow, look at this God who can save people from every background. And so watch, it says they're shouting Hosanna to the son of David and they were pumped. I'll wait till you read it. You see it? You see what I'm seeing, right? Were they pumped? No. That doesn't even make sense. They were indignant. You know why? Because they're impressive kind of people. They don't know what I know. They haven't been through this many years of schooling. What do you mean they're equal in God's eyes? What do you mean? Look at my outfit. I have my sons. You know what I'm saying? Look at these people coming in with their ailments and their problems and they're looking all different and not educated and blah, blah, blah. And then they are indignant even at the children. Because, again, getting to the heart of it. They worked for their salvation. It was a matter of what I did to prove myself that I am holy. How many of you know today that's not the gospel. That's not the hope that saves anybody. Hey, try harder, do a little better, look a little nicer, clean it up. I don't know about you, but I'm very thankful that that's not how grace works, right? And I'll get to that. And I also want, to, want you to keep in mind another person uh, uh, that I want you to be aware of because he, he, now we're talking about children, so no matter what your age is, no matter where you came from, no matter what you look like, no matter what disabilities you have, no matter what all this stuff, Another person I'm going to add to the group that's uh, included is the author of this book, Matthew. So remember, the religious people were wealthy, they're impressive, they're, you know, and yet far from God. And yet Matthew is the author of this book. But I want to tell you, Matthew, if there was a, a right race back then, being Jewish was the right race in their religion, right? Matthew was that. If there was having money, not having money, guess what? Matthew had money. But what Matthew knew is that he also had a problem called sin in his life. And Matthew was a tax collector. And he cheated people. So the only, but the only difference between him and the religious leaders, watch this, was he recognized he needed the Lord. And so you might look like someone right next to you. But guess what? God knows the heart. He knows the heart of every single person in this room. We might all look the same, but one says, no, look at me. The other one goes, no, don't look at me. Look at the Lord. So, so Matthew is here writing in humility. Hey, I have money. And I, I want to tell somebody, if you have money, God loves you too. If you're of the majority crowd, God loves you too. But you better know you need Jesus just as much as the next person. 
You and I, we all need Jesus. Every person in this room falls short of the glory of God. And so again, these people were spiritually uh, proud. They were impressed with themselves. And, and I, you know, this actually was a very convicting question for me. I had to ask myself, and a conviction time for all of us, ready? Are you okay when God has his hand to move powerfully on the life of somebody, watch this, who's less impressive than you? Are you cool with that? They don't have the degree you have. They don't have the title you have. They don't have the articulation or whatever. They don't look like you. Are you okay with that? Better be okay with that. That's how the kingdom works. It's not about how awesome we are on the outside. It's how willing we are to lay it down on the inside. That God might be on the throne of our life and of our hearts and, and be filled with his power and his leading and his guidance. Watch this. Uh, do you hear what these children are saying? Verse 16. Asked, uh, they asked him, he said, yes, replied Jesus. Have you, ever, have you never read from the lips of children and infants, Lord, you have called forth your praise? Again, he's just quoting from the Old Testament. And, I, and again, I just love that Jesus marks a moment, again, to just recognize how much the youth matter. Because I want to encourage you, again, if you're a high school or junior high student here, you are possibly in the most influential season of life that you'll ever be in. You'll have more friends, more connections, more energy, right? Amen? This is why Jesus called young people to follow him. Do not waste your youth. By the way, summer camp is coming up. Shout out to the youth here. So we're partnering with Via Church and youth from Cornerstone Church. If you can help send more kids to camp, do it, because lives get changed at camp. I think some of the most powerful missionaries right now on planet Earth, missionaries on planet Earth, are at Chowchilla High School. You know how, or at Fresno State. It is hard to shine the light of Jesus on campuses. But I'm telling you that it also can make an incredible difference. You don't have to go to some foreign place where they don't speak your language to be a missionary. So youth, again, while you're young, now is the time you can influence so many different lives for the gospel. So I love that Jesus takes this moment to just talk about the praise of children. Uh, look at verse 17 going to be a little turn, okay, but I'll bring us back around. It says, then he left them and he went out of the city to Bethany because it was popping in Jerusalem, okay? You're talking about a million people. This, this town was not built for this, so Jesus is like, all right, guys, let's get out for the night. Let's go get, we'll go down the mountain over here and we'll hang out in Bethany, and so he spent the night. Early in the morning, verse 18, it says that Jesus was on his way back to the city and he was hungry, how many of you can appreciate the humanity of Jesus, right? Some of you, this is you right now. You're hungry. You're waiting. When's this going to get over with? Watch this. Jesus was on his way back. He was hungry, and then seeing a fig tree by the road, he went up to it, but he found nothing except leaves. And then he says to the fig tree, may you never bear fruit again. And immediately the tree withered. Woo! How many of you can appreciate Jesus got hangry? <laughs> so, so next time somebody's a little upset and you're like, you need some food. Just need some food. It's going to be fine. So if Jesus got a little hangry, 
Okay, then give us some grace. Yes, give each other grace. Verse 20, when the disciples saw this, they were amazed. And they said, how did you, how, how did the fig tree wither so quickly? They asked, and Jesus replied, truly, I tell you that if you have faith and do not doubt, do not doubt, not only can you do what was done to the fig tree, but also you can say to this mountain, go throw yourself into the sea and it will be done. If you believe, you will receive whatever you ask for in prayer. Amen. Now that's deep, isn't it? I mean, I think we've got to pause here for a second because there's a lot going on here. And again, I, 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 want, I, want, to, I want to bring it back around because he said prayer. Remember when he was just flipping tables? Remember all of that? Remember his whole reason for coming to Jerusalem? He's trying to get his people into his presence with childlike faith. Come from wherever you come from. Look like however you look like. But come into my presence. Seek me with childlike faith. Come on in. Right? And he's breaking down the walls. And then he has this kind of um, rival, uh, if you will, encounter with these religious guys who, by the way, if you remember, Jesus talked about how they pray. And he said, don't be like those guys. They're great at praying. What? Yeah. They'll get in front of everybody and they will wax eloquent. Oh, Lord. And he said, by the way, they're just prideful. And, and by the way, did you know you cannot be prideful and know how to pray at the same time? Prayer is the opposite of pride. So if you're doing it for the show, you're doing it in the wrong way. Your heart's far from God. You're doing it to impress people. That's why Jesus said, if you actually want to pray powerfully, go in your closet. Go have some personal time. Talk to me like a father. Father in heaven, holy. Right? Talk to me personally. Talk to the father personally. And, and, and again, I just, I'll joke on this crowd because I grew up with this a little bit. So let's have some fun. But you've heard someone pray and they're just like, whoa! And they were praying like, thy heavenly father bringest thou will to the fruition of the firmament. I'm like, dude, if you, if you use firmament and fruition in your prayer, you grew up in church for sure. You know what I'm saying? And I'm like, I don't know what that means. So I asked someone, you, know, you speak in tongues? No, why? Because you just spoke in one from the 1700s, like from Britain. I'm just joking. If I offended you, personally email me at loganbeardsley at cc.chowchilla. <laughs> I'm, I'm seriously joking. What I'm trying to tell us, though, is there's freedom to talk to God without being impressive. Isn't that amazing? You don't have to say all the right words. And so in your personal quiet time with the Lord, don't be intimidated. He flipped tables to get you to him. And by the way, not only that, he goes so much further. You're reading, you're reading this text, right? And he just said this, that a prayer of childlike faith without doubt can move mountains. Isn't that crazy? Your prayer can tell a mountain to go jump, jump in the ocean and it will be done. But I really think we have to get some context here. Because mountains in their day had a different connotation than mountains in our day. Any mountain people in the house? Like, y'all like mountains? You're like, no, we're from the valley. We don't go to the mountains. Okay, I married a mountain woman. They love mountains. I don't see why. Okay. The only reason why I would like mountains, watch this, is because I have a car to drive me to those mountains. 
You know what I'm saying? I'll take a good look, and then I will leave. Okay, I hiked Half Dome with Arlen one time. That was, that was something. But I'll never do that again. That was a horrible decision. <laughs> Not the Arlen part. I'm just saying the mountain part. So I was tired. I couldn't walk for like a week after that. I'm not a mountain guy. Okay, so now I just brought you into the connotation of mountains, okay? So when we say, oh, the mountains can be thrown into the sea, what a, what a Jewish listener is hearing is those things that we don't like, by the way, that are a pain, that make it so hard for us to get to Jerusalem. Oh, by the way, Jerusalem was a city built on a mountain. And so the connotation of he's saying to this mountain, because some of us, when we, when, we, when we heard this, if you ask God for something and you do not doubt, right, anything can happen, right? So I'm going to try my best and just, I won't doubt it, Lord. Lord, I need that yacht. Man, that milk price for three more years. Just don't doubt. But is that how it works? Uh, can you really just not doubt? Is that possible? But in context, I don't know if you caught it. Actually, let's put that last verse back on the screen, or maybe it's two verses back. Maybe it won't. Okay, watch this. But also, you can say to, what's the word right before mountain? Ready? Context. He's in Bethany. He's looking at Jerusalem. The place everybody has to go to try to seek the Lord. It's hard to get there. You gotta bring your sacrifice. You gotta climb the mountain, ascend the city on a hill that you might be able to once a year get into the presence of God. But what Jesus is trying to say here is listen, what you need to ask God for is the things that are keeping you from me. Ask Him to remove those things. Watch this. Is there something in your life making it hard for you to be close to the Lord? Ask for him to throw it in the sea and see what he does. That's a convicting prayer. The things that make it hard, or they don't bear fruit in your life, ask him to kill those things. See what happens. Don't doubt that he'll do anything to draw you closer to himself. By the way, it's only a few days later that Jesus climbs that mountain with a cross on his back to show you that he would do anything that it takes, anything that it takes to draw every kind of person from every background who doubts themselves, who people talk about where you're from, you're low on the totem pole or you're high on the totem pole and none of that matters. What matters is you're in a desperate need for God to do something about your situation. Because the greatest mountain that all of us have in all of our life, and I hate to break this to you, is a mountain of sin that you cannot climb to get away from. You cannot throw the mountain of your sin into the sea. But you know who can? Jesus Christ. And so that week, he, he climbs that mountain with the cross on his back, and he becomes the sacrifice once and for all to show you that no matter who you are, no matter what you've been through, no matter what's been done to you, no matter what you think about yourself, God loves you with an everlasting love that can move mountains. Isn't that amazing? And he'll do anything to draw you in to his presence. And so I'm so grateful. That's just what I want to leave you with this morning is God chose the foolish things of the world to shame the wise. He chose the weak things of the world to shame the strong. We don't have to be impressive today. 
we can just be honest. Are you broken? Yeah, say it. Say it to the Lord. He can handle it. And guess what? He wants to heal you. He wants to bring you into his presence. He wants you to thrive with him. And I believe if we have a childlike faith, we look at the world around us, man, on a weekend like this where we're celebrating our country, but our country's got so much going on. I think we should be, we should have optimism because our God is on the throne. And we should start praying that God will remove things in our country, in our city, in our family that are keeping other people from his presence. That he's going to move in ways. You want to have childlike faith? You have a friend who needs Jesus? Start praying for the things in your friend's life, the mountains that need to be thrown in the sea so they can be close to Jesus. The things that need to wither that are keeping them from bearing fruit in their life. Change the way you pray. Because God wants us to be drawn into any of you thankful for that this morning? Thankful that we have a God who invites us into his presence? I know that I am. Let me pray for us. Jesus, we just say thank you, thank you, thank you that you are so good and, and, and so gracious that we don't have to act like we know it all or have it all together, that we can come to you and just lay it at your feet and that you went the furthest distance to remove the mountain of sin from our life. We could be close to you. We don't have to bring a sacrifice up a mountain anymore. We can just call on you and talk to you, Jesus, friend of sinners, who has made us children of God. And so if there's anyone in the house today, Lord, that needs to re realize it's not about them, it's about you. Call on you, I pray you give them faith right now, Lord. Awaken their soul to receive the life that you have that comes from the grace you bought by your blood on the cross. And we receive that in Jesus' name. Amen.